Welcome to this week's episode of Chopping Wood Inside Podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast for Twin Peaks conspiracy theorists and aficionados. My name is Murphy. This is my accomplice, Tom Hawk Wupker. One, Say one, nine. One, one, nine. Yes. Tom, today you remind me of a small Mexican chihuahua. What are we going to talk about today? Um, there's a few things that I'd like to talk about. I think the first thing that I'd like to mention, we, we spoke about this briefly on the phone last night. Um, something that I don't think will happen um, because it doesn't seem like we're going on the nostalgia route. I mean, there are certain callbacks to the, you know, to the original series or whatever. But since Hawk found those letters, or what we think they're letters or whatever, and they very well may be the... Um, in episode six. You know, in, yeah, in, in episode six or whatever. Yeah. They, they very well may be um, like pages from Laura's you know, secret diary or maybe something Laura wrote or whatever. Um, and the assumption is that that scene in Firewalk with Me, um, where um, Laura is having the dream after she puts the you know the, the, the portrait on the wall that she got from uh, Mrs. Tremont or Chalfont, Mrs. Chalfont, and and she goes into the portrait or whatever, and she sees Annie in her bed, and she gives you know um, Laura that cryptic message, which is you know my name is Annie, um, and basically like the good Dale is in the lodge and he can't leave. Write it in your diary. My thinking was that now that Hawk has this, it would be a great kind of callback to, you know, episode 29, the last episode of the series or whatever. Harry Truman was the one who was with Cooper when he went into the lodge and obviously was there when he came out. Obviously, Harry Truman is not in this new series yet. We've, we've you know, we know that he's sick. His brother is now the new sheriff or whatever. But what if Hawk... You know, after he gets these pages, he can't really make sense of, you know, um, the good Dale is in the lodge. He doesn't. I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's written right there. But you know, did Dale Cooper go to lodge? You know, blah blah blah. Who would know? Go to Harry Truman, tell him what he found, and it would be a great little cameo for Michael Onkeen if he is going to be this in this new show or whatever. Somehow a surprise, and somehow tie in Annie, and that you know, how's Annie? the bad Dale and kind of accelerate the investigation. I just don't think they're going to go there um, because for a number of reasons, um, but really um, I think that that scene with Hawk in the, in part two, was it where he goes into the forest and he's talking to the log lady. And yeah, I think it was part two. He, part two. And he goes and he, he actually goes to Glastonbury Grove and he sees, you know, the, well, we think he sees, we see the audience sees the, the curtains and he has this kind of like expression on his face, like he, he is seeing something, but then it cuts away to another scene. And we never, we never get like a, you know, an, an answer from that. He never goes back to the station and tells Andy or Lucy or anyone what he saw or the log lady. So I'm thinking that scene might be something that um, is, you know, displaced somehow that it, it's not, 
you know, was it? It was maybe took place in, in time jump, uh, time jump or something like that, yeah. and then going off from that. So that was something I don't think they'll do, but that would be a very interesting thing if they did go that way, because obviously what he found is going to be related to Cooper somehow. I would think. What do you think? Well, it would be great if they if Michael Ankeen does make a special appearance, because it would also uh, give me more hope that perhaps David Bowie's like floating head is going to show up inside that box <laughs> in Buenos Aires. <laughs> Because they've been keeping his uh, appearance in the cast under wraps, and even you know, almost like saying that he's not in it. You know, I think even Michael Ankeen had some Twitter, uh, you know, static that came out in terms of not being happy about being on the show. Right? Didn't he? Wasn't there I some think, reports that? He yeah, I think there was happy? this like Twitter. I don't know if it was Twitter or it was probably Twitter. But um, what I remember is that he put out like a request to find his old jacket you know that he wore during the series and uh, if you can find that you know i'm going to be suiting up again or whatever and that sent you know all the fans and i wouldn't say hysteria but it was like okay Ankeen's back and then at some point before the the you know the the show went into production it came out that he wasn't going to be in it and then when they released the cast list after they wrapped production his name was was missing from the cast list so, you know, all indications are that he's not going to be in it. But I would think that, you know, they they have a few, like, you know, kind of aces up their sleeve. They're not going to reveal, especially someone like maybe a Truman, if it really is a very integral scene, especially like Annie, Heather Graham. I think they would keep maybe those, like, under wraps a little bit. It just seems like they're so secretive anyways. Um, that would be a great little mystery. And, and, and if it did happen, it would send fans into hysteria then, I think. Well, except for me, because I actually was not a big fan of uh, Sheriff Harry <laughs> Truman, actually. <laughs> you mean the, the character or the, no, or the or actor? No, actor, the actor and the character were both not... Uh, I think of him as uh, having the mouth full of a giant Danish when Coop walks in, and that's all he's doing is chewing the Danish. That's essentially what he did. Um, but, you know, uh, if he does come back, it would be a huge uh, a deal for the fans. It would be a wonderful reveal, and it sounds like a... A good conspiracy theory on your term or on your end in terms of what how that hawk what the next steps would be um although the looking at the nez purse uh, angle you would think he might want to go back to his root roots and find uh, an entryway through that but they that way he would not know that cooper was in the lodge because we actually briefly discussed this last night after um our first podcast our second podcast was that uh you know it's it, wait. I just forgot my train of thought. Actually, <laughs> we were talking about that. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at episode two playing right now. So I was looking at the evolution of the arm, and I was captivated again. Oh yes, I just watched that uh, myself um, a few minutes ago. Um, I think we were talking about on Keen and you know maybe having a cameo um, in this new. Well, the series. point is, so, I'm not. I don't think I would be that 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 excited about him coming back. But I would think the point was that was I think would think that Hawk would look to his roots. But oh, as we right, talked yeah. about last night, was that he? How would he know that Cooper went into the lodge? And it goes back to also my uh, my uh, theories that or, or complaint is is it's strange that the town doesn't know about Laura and Cooper and the tale that that happened in the past, and it hasn't been reported, you know. And high school kids aren't talking about it, you know. So maybe it is so under wraps and was so weird that Michael Onkeen, Sheriff Harry S. Truman, would keep that to himself because it was so disturbing to him. So it's possible. Well, that, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, the Laura thing, we don't know. We, the only thing we know in this new series 
is the scene where you know Bobby we're you know we're introduced to Bobby and you know he's you know deputy now and he sees the the photograph the homecoming um, shot of Laura and he gets all emotional or whatever and you know says like brings back you know some memories or whatever and we don't know um, what any of the other characters in the town how you know they they feel about that if they've forgotten it um, we did talk about this before the series started airing we thought one of the things that that one of the routes that that they might take is that that small town since it was such a kind of traumatic tragic event that they they buried it you know and it was something that you know wasn't really kind of talked about um because obviously you know if you think about it on the surface leland you know the father you know raping and killing his own daughter it's not something that you go to the double r and and discuss over pie and coffee or whatever so it would be it would make sense over time that they would kind of sweep that up you know under the the rug so to speak and then we thought maybe the the new generation there was something some young girl boy or whatever or the younger generation there would be whispers or Bob or yeah we thought it would be a, be a campfire story like right. Bob will be a scary you know tale that you told your kids at night about the boogeyman because that's what the, you know the regional uh, parts of the world they all have their own version of the boogeyman. You know, like I remember my stepdad yeah. is from the, the from Louisiana. There's a Cajun boogeyman, right? So that would be the Pacific Northwest boogeyman would be Bob. And that um, I was kind of hoping there would be scenes like that, uh, and maybe there still will be. Uh, but it doesn't seem that the the the, the tale of Laura Palmer and the and the horrible ending to her and what happened with Leland and Bob, you know, all that seems to be completely forgotten. Which I guess is another meta, uh, you know, statement on society that we don't remember our past and we're probably uh, going to mistake keep making the same mistakes because we keep forgetting uh, the lessons that we should have learned decades ago. Yeah, but I think that the way that the show is progressing that um, Laura in some fashion is going to um, play a major role in um, like, you know, future developments. Um, whether it's just, you know, Laura of the past or if somehow, you know, she is you know, I'm not going to say reincarnated, but you know she exists in this world now. Whether it's her or Cheryl Lee playing another character, I mean, we we know that she's on the cast list. Obviously, she's been in you know uh, previous episodes, um, but um, and there's like a big spoiler out there um, for people who who you know really haven't been following or weren't following the the production or whatever. So if if, if anyone is actually listening to this, when they listen to it, if they listen to it or whatever. Um, you might want to mute this for a second, but um, there is a scene at some point that where where Cooper um, is with Cheryl Lee. We don't know who she's playing, but they show up at the Palmer house, and you know, so you would think it it would be Laura. We don't know if this is a dream, you know, if it was if it's real, if it's you know, obviously there's three versions of Cooper right now. It could be Cooper, Dougie. You know, or Mr. C, or, or maybe even a fourth one, like Nedward or something, Nedward Cooper. Um, but so, so <laughs> I just do think that the Laura Lynch, everything we know about Lynch when he talks about Twin Peaks, it's all about like the pilot, and it's all about like Laura Palmer. He never wanted to solve the mystery; he wanted to keep it going forever. And then he, you know, when he gets a chance to make a movie, what does he do? He, he goes and makes a prequel about Laura Palmer predominantly. He's obsessed. He loves He's her. obsessed with Laura Palmer. He just loves that I think that dichotomy that of that of her two shades of like, you know, goodness and, you know, the evil that, you know, surrounds her and, and even kind of infects her at times or whatever to do, you know, very bad things. So I think that and, you know, when we see the opening credits, you know, of of this new series or whatever, 
you know, uh, you know, they have that shot, that very atmospheric shot of, of you know, of the forest with the mist, and we see a super close up of, of Laura, you know, the homecoming, you know, uh, the iconic shot or whatever. I mean, he's telling us right there, you know, like it's still you know, all about Laura. It's isn't still all about the, Laura. Isn't the title of episode nine coming up? It, like it, I think it's okay. So I think check? ten, um, ten, yeah, it, ten is um, Laura is the one, and I mentioned to you last night that when I read that. That my first thought, you had a, another thought, and I'll you, let me know what, what you think after I finish my thought. But um, as soon as I heard Laura is the one, um, I immediately had a call back to the pilot. And there's this scene where James uh, rides up to you know the Big Ed's gas farm, and he sees you know Big Ed, and you know Ed's heard the news or whatever, and asks uh, you know if he can buy him a cup of coffee or whatever, and and uh, James says like you know she was the one. You know, and then he, you know, like sullen, moody, or whatever, and puts his glasses on when there's no sun and, you know, no shadow, like Wally. Do so you think and, J- James' sighting is in our future? Yeah, I think. I mean, really, that's I, interesting. I, I'm not saying that he's going to be Even the one. I'm not a that, big fan of James, but that would be a right. A, a I do like James. Story. I don't. I don't give him. You know, I might like him better now. Actually, seeing him, you know, he might be a, have a little more gravitas than he did. Yeah. Years yeah. Ago. But that's where I. That's where my. You know. Well, I thought that I, it was like you know, like this is that is the girl like that line. Oh in yeah, Mahalo that's Drive. right. But now I was thinking about also remember in like I think it was season two episode one when they were doing a sing along uh, at the Palmer House or the Hayward House and the youngest Hayward daughter was doing that that poem like it was Laura and it was Laura like it right. was Laura. You know, right. and so it, it's still, I mean, if the whole town, if it was all about Laura, and it was all about Laura 25 years ago, now it's almost like it's, she's completely disappeared from the memory of everyone, and it's yeah, not about Laura. There's another <laughs> interesting thought about that before um, we move on or whatever, is that um, I don't know if you saw um, Twin Peaks when it, it re, uh, the first time that they actually aired um, like reruns of the show was in like 93. Three, I believe, on Bravo. Like Bravo somehow yeah, got the rights, that. and um, what Lynch did was he filmed these introductions with like the Log Lady for each episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he he actually wrote them, and you know, the, more often than not, they're like very cryptic. But if I'm not mistaken, um, and this is like going way back in the they time machine very cryptic, or whatever. If I recall. <laughs> yeah, they were very cryptic. But the <laughs> the, the pilot. Um, what she I don't know what obviously I, I can't it's been so long or whatever but I believe the log lady said like the very last line of her little introduction to the pilot is Laura is the one I believe yeah you know what I think I remember that as well you're right because I, I remember think, watching that final episode multiple times uh, or Bravo and Bravo aired it and I, I think I do recall that yeah Laura's the one so I mean that's I mean well it's still uh, well so we're going to see more of Laura and there's there are theories that she might be the box monster that she might be the uh, the person that was banging on that door uh, in the space uh, capsule in episode three um, the mother yeah. of Renette Pulaski uh, you know so there's all kinds of theories about how she's going to re-enter and whether she's going to be a trapped soul in the Black Lodge trying to get out like Cooper or whether she's going to be like a demon, you know. She was pretty fucked up, uh, you know, person. So it's possible she could, like, embrace the dark side uh, and, and go full demon on us as well. Although that would be – you would think that she would still have a shred of, you know, conflict or whatever that Lynch would not want to completely demon her out. I always thought that even in episode two when we got, finally got to see her, the, when she got sucked up, that was my first thought was poor Cheryl Lee. Every time <laughs> she thinks she gets a fucking normal scene, 
she gets tortured by David Lynch and sucked up into hell and has to scream horrible. That's pretty much all she's been doing is being raped and murdered for her entirety right. under his tutelage. Right. And, uh, so um, we'll see how it plays out with Laura, but I think you're right that she's going to play an integral part in the next uh, you know, two-thirds of the series. Yeah, and I, a, a, a to talk part. about uh, that scene in the, in the Red Room briefly is that um, – she could you know. be like his Beatrice Portinelli, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Trying to lead him through yeah. the inferno. Uh, I keep thinking that Cooper does need a guide. He needs someone, whether it's Diane or Gordon Cole or Tamara Preston or you know whoever. Someone needs to get to lead him. Well, he looked. To... I think the one-armed man is playing that role right now. Yeah, he is. He's doing the the, the tai chi, the one the one-armed man tai chi. He's trying to, <laughs> trying to make. It him looks wake like he's up. really doing some. Yeah, he's doing some active moves there, and he's really the only right. one. But I always wonder about the one-armed man is whether he's he's benevolent or what what his deal is because he's always little Mike has always been a little Mephisto type trickster, right? And I'm not sure if Mike, uh, you know, the one-armed man is on on Coop's side fully or not because really he said, uh, remember when in episode two and he said you're talking to Dougie that you're three that you're you were manufactured but your purpose has been fulfilled uh, suppose uh, something like that as a paraphrase and then he bopped his head off. It seemed like maybe he was in cahoots with the bad coop you know it's like i wasn't 100 percent certain um and i still am i'm not a yeah i know I, I think and what i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm i like him though he's like really this. good i like him as the old I, I think i really like him and the arm the tree better than little mike yeah it would be hard to say but little mike we've seen so much this is new and i think that al uh what's his last name the actor strobel 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 he's doing a great strobel, job yeah. he's doing a, i think he's doing a really good job i, I really like yeah him. he's got some good chops he was really and i good like all the scenes with him when he comes back they've all been really really moving with dougie those have been some of my favorite dougie scenes is him reacting with the with mike and those lodging experiences well what do you think because um i think that like all the scenes that we've had in the red room with you know Mike, the one-armed man, what have you. Um, I think those were originally intended for like little Mike, uh, you know, Mike Anderson or whatever. And when yeah, he so was, they had you know trouble, you know, signing him, you know, getting him to sign on the dotted line or whatever. Obviously, he didn't come back. That they rewrote, or they probably didn't rewrite, but they just said, all right, we'll get you know, we'll get the one-armed man in there, and he'll say those lines or whatever because. When he says, is it future or is it past, he says it two different times in, in episode two or whatever. Um, that's a direct, um, uh, I mean, that, that, that was the same line used in Fire Walk With Me when um, Little Mike said that to Cooper in the, in the Red Room or Black Lodge or whatever. Is it future, is it past or whatever. And it just seems like a lot of those lines are, you know, like kind of like Little Mike-esque. And, you know, now they've just, you know, got, you know, the one-armed man. And I think it's, I, like, I agree with you, I think it's better, but... Did you did you think that as well um, when you were watching it? Like because you know a lot about the backstory that maybe that was intended for the little man. I think the, absolutely. I think that the the entire role of him and the arm, the tree, was for the little man. I'm yeah. not sure that Al Strabell would have even showed up in this thing, um, or at least in the lodge, right? Uh, unless little Mike had had, had had not come back. So. Do you think we're going to see Mike, the one-armed man, in the supposed real world at some point? That's an interesting question. Um, I wouldn't think so, but we never—it's never explained. How did he get down there? Did he die? Like we never saw his demise in the real world, did we, or anything? No, that, we've never. When's the last had, time we even saw him in the real world? Like screaming. Okay, at, so uh, in the original series, and Firewalk with me. Well, okay, so the original series. 
The last time we see him is in the, I want to say it's episode 16, the one where Cooper solves the crime. Like he goes to the Great Northern where the Wonder Man is, you know, in bed and struggling, you know, he's sweating or whatever. And he, he tells him, he gives him like a cryptic clue about like he puts his finger together in like a golden circle. He's basically, I think he says like the same lines or some of the same lines that the giant had said to Cooper. And that so kind he of, was on his deathbed. Perhaps. So he's on his deathbed. Uh, you okay. know, we never saw him that. again. Oh, God. I haven't seen that episode. But yet. then he was in Firewalk with me, and uh, he played you know a role in Firewalk with me where it seemed like his intent was to you know let Laura know that it was her father Leland who was actually possessed by Bob, and uh, he had the ring. He's the one who gave her the or put the you know tossed the ring into the train car before. You know, Leland Bob killed Laura. And then right after that, um, Leland goes to Glastonbury Grove, walks into the lodge, and sees little Mike and the one-armed man sitting down. And then that's when little Mike touches, you know, the one-armed man's missing arm. And, and they speak in unison, you know. So that's the first time we see him, like the one-armed man, in, in the Black Lodge or whatever. So, um, um you know, I don't think that means that he's dead because at that point, it was before the events of the series. So, like, Leland could walk into the lodge. Bob obviously comes and goes. Obviously, I think, you know, Mike, the one our man, can as well. So, and maybe Laura can too. Uh, at the In a few episodes, we're going to see her maybe moving out into the real world or some sort of alternative universe where she's uh, not just trapped in the Well, room. I had, yeah, I had the theory, then we talked about this, is that in the movie, this, I talked about this a little bit earlier, that scene where she was having the dream after she puts the, the little, you know, the, the painting portrait right. on the wall, that um, she you goes that into scene. that, and that is like a portal of some sort. And because there's a, there's a close-up, like Lynch gets a close-up of Laura in the painting, and she's very stylized. Her hair is like, you know, kind of is, is made up, and... She's, she's not really looking out. She's just kind of looking like she's just kind of lost but not, like, scared. And it cuts to Laura in her bedroom looking at that or whatever. And it was my – and I didn't get this on first viewing or the, you know, probably the first 20 viewings or whatever. It took, like, years or whatever. It finally just hit me over the head. It's like, hey, that's – you know. and I think it was after I found out the new show was coming on or whatever is that, hey, that would be a good, like, entryway that maybe if, if you wanted to bring Laura back – you could somehow do a callback to that scene, like, well, someone saved her, the Tremons or whatever, or there's another version of Laura, like a good version of Laura, or, or maybe a bad version of Laura, walking around in, you know, space and time, a la Cooper or whatever. And she the would one come out into the real world through her old bedroom on the painting that's still hanging on the wall thirty years later, twenty six years later, that was in Firewalk with me, the one uh, that that creepy painting. That, I not think the one that with the angels, but the other one of like the room, the empty room. Yeah, that's the, the one doorway. I'm talking about. I think we're gonna see that. I think we're either gonna see that. That would be awesome. That you've talked about that before, even the series began. Like that's a great theory, and it would be because we we thought the first time we saw Sarah Palmer, you know, sitting in front of the television, that we were going to you know because there's that pre preview image in the the trailer of going up the stairs, which kind of was a little evocative of the Sarah Palmer stairs, and we thought perhaps Coop. Or maybe Laura or someone was going to pop out through that painting on the wall in Laura's room and come out down those stairs and freak out Sarah. Or that Sarah might even be, might know it. You know, I think we're going to come back to Sarah Palmer. And the obviously, as you know, you've seen clues that, that we are definitely going to go back to the Palmer household right. and have a big old reunion. 
big old jamboree. We are, yeah. Can't wait. And I Hope thought that, that was... episode 17 when it happened. <laughs> no, it probably will, now. right? I, I thought... more episodes of Dougie and one episode of that. <laughs> you know we're going to get at least another six, eight episodes of Dougie probably. But um, I, I find the it very... odds are in Vegas. I wonder if Vegas has odds on how many more episodes David Lynch is going to put Dougie in. For the, like, it would probably <laughs> that be... Would be... Yeah, I, I wonder what, what would the over-under be, right? It would be like... I would I... say probably four would be the over-under. Because I think he's just crazy enough to go four more. But then that would be almost half the episode, the season. I agree. I think that we're not really not going to kind of get this really kind of potent momentum where it's like, you know, all the pieces from like New York and South Dakota and Vegas kind of converge onto Twin Peaks until like, you know, close to episode like 12. I think like the last like maybe six, seven episodes, like we're going to really kind of focus in on like Twin Peaks. And I think that's been the natural progression is it started off in all these different locations and then we would get like a scene or two in Twin Peaks but as we've gone along we've gotten more we spent more time in Twin Peaks we've been introduced to more characters and I think we're going to get some kind of mystery I mean we've already you know you know had you know some little notion of some drug dealing going on which isn't really new for Twin Peaks obviously there was little Dickie Horn running over the kid I don't know if that's going to be like a big mystery but my gut is that there's going to be some kind of like murder or crime that evokes Laura Palmer or that mystery somehow and and the events that we've seen in the other locations and with you know Mr. C and Dougie Cooper or whatever and their little like tracks or whatever they're going to converge on Twin Peaks I mean that's I mean of course I'm probably completely wrong but that's where I think it's going well, that's where we hope it's going. You know, I think it's. Right. Uh, I think definitely Laura. I mean, it's got that that those missing pages have got to be Laura Palmer related. Yeah. I mean, what else could they be? I mean, I, I guess it could be a million things that we don't know of that are completely new inventions, like Frostian inventions that lead us to more Blue Book information. Um, but I think it's gonna be Laura. I think that's what. Yeah. Like you said, that's what that's what he wants is. Uh, you know, one thing like since I had uh, episode two on earlier, like what do you? I was watching when when Evil Coop kills uh, Bill Hastings' wife, and we had talked about that little camera swizzle when she gets hit, almost like she's hit by a stun gun on Star Trek. And and I thought you asked, we talked about this a while ago, and I was like, well, it's probably just a little Lynchian flourish. But watching it again, I'm not really sure about that, and I was wondering if perhaps. She is because he goes. You follow human nature very well, or something like that, and yeah. makes me think maybe she is some sort of Logian creation or a manufactured doppelganger, and that he's going around shooting the eyes out of other doppelgangers, like something that there's some conspiracy. Has made, he's getting rid of his team who helped him, you know, pull off heist or so. I think that's that's an interesting thread. And you wanted to talk a little bit about you know Buckhorn. Like, what do you think about right. that? Because you you've got some theories around. There's something yeah, I, I'm rewatching it again. The you know episode two starts with you know uh, Bill Hastings, the great Matthew Lillard. He's never been better. Um, legend. In, in, in He's been legend. guilty since Scream. <laughs> right, yeah. and, uh, should we make Sorry, like a little sure. note here that you've actually no one knows what you look like, but there is one person on this planet who actually thought you were Matthew Lillard in Los Angeles, right? They came up uh, to you. In a bar? I've been I've been uh, mistaken for him multiple times. Oh, it's multiple times. Okay, all yeah. right. It's oh, I think I was with you the one time where we someone said, "Hey, Matthew Lillard or whatever." Um, I, I also get I also answered a Shaggy 
as well. Because, <laughs> that's, uh, that's good. That's good. Okay, no, we're digressing, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. So that first scene in the second episode, we see you know Bill Hastings in jail, and then Phyllis's wife comes, and they have that. It's a great scene, you know. They both are yeah, you know, cheating on each other. It's pure Lynch. And then she lives. She lives. Yeah, it's great, and she leaves. And, you know, you have that quick cutaway of her meeting, you know, her lover slash Bill Hastings' lawyer, George. And then it cuts back to Lillard in jail. And, you know, he's like, you know, got his hands on his head. He's like, oh, my God. And the camera just kind of, you know, tracks over to, you know, like the other empty cells. And then we see that whatever that is, that soot creature, you know, that, you know, with the, 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 the two white eye, the, the eyes and... You know, and it just, it's I don't even know what to call Mary him. Weather Lewis. Yeah, that's what you thought. I thought I that thought was... It, yeah, I thought he was a... Pi- I thought he had a pioneer hat on, but then I, we freeze-framed it looked very close. But that was great. I thought that collar. was... But I think there's something maybe to that, because we have we still haven't gotten any Lewis and Clark, uh, you know, real, you know, secret history of Twin Peaks type uh, mythological mentions within the plot yet. Right. We got Wally Brando's name drop. We did. But, yeah. uh, the great that Wally guy's Brando. terrified. That guy. Yeah. That guy, I can't wait to see him. And I'm, I'm. I'm. Now I'm worried that maybe Lynch was just fucking with us when he said he's going to come back. Because we well, no. So him. after that scene. So and then you know he his body you know dissolves, disappears or whatever, and then we see the head float away, and then the next shot is. Um, Phyllis coming home and we see Mr. C in her house and it was a scene that you just described like you follow human nature perfectly and he shoots her through the head or whatever and then the next scene is that cutaway of the um, railroad tracks you know the train that's yeah passing. I love that scene it's yeah. a great scene and then the next scene is Mr. C with Ray the great Ray and his great Eating face Ray. And, uh, and Daria <laughs> and Jack every time, every time. Yeah. So, and they're like, they finished their dinner. And my thinking is like, you know, who the hell knows? Right. But just looking from like scene to scene to scene, you know, we have like Bill and, and Phyllis basically admitting, you know, that they've been you know cheating on each other. Bill said that he had a dream about being in the librarian's apartment when she was murdered, but he, 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 he tries to convince her, but I wasn't there. It was just a dream or whatever. And she obviously she doesn't care or, you know, or to believe him. And then we see that, that, that being, that soot ghost, lodge, monster, you know, lumberjack, what have you. And then we see Mr. C kill Phyllis. But then we see Mr. C having dinner. There is something with those progressions of scenes. It's like it, it almost feels like, like Coop Mr. C is bouncing around, you know, somehow. Um, and, he's in more than one place. He's in he's, more than one place at one time. Or, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, there's nothing really to indicate that. But I, I get that feeling that whatever that, that being was in um, the jail cell, um, I originally thought like, well, maybe this is like kind of a Leland Bob, like host parasite thing, you know? Killer Bill. But, Killer Bill. <laughs> My theory. That's good, Killer Bill. Um, but that the head, like dis- the body disappeared and the head went away. The head, you know, that's you know the brain, you know, makes all the decisions or whatever. It disappeared, and then we see Mister C. Like it's not Bob, but it, you give the impression that that is some kind of like spirit, possible like host or whatever. And Phyllis certainly comes across as not just this like duplicitous wife or whatever that she knows Mr. C she doesn't care that her husband she might be complicit in that crime scene in the librarian's apartment there is some 
you know, there's some things going on there. Obviously, you know, I don't have any answers or whatever, but um, I don't think we're finished with that. I think that there, um, there's something more to Phyllis's death and obviously Bill and his dream and that that crime scene with, with Ruth and, and presumably Garland Briggs, right? His headless oh, yeah. body. Yeah, that's got to come back. I mean, yeah. obviously the... the Pentagon is sending an official right now to investigate yeah. that. But it's all it all seems um, tied into uh, Mr. C's um, desire to find those geographical coordinates um, that 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 either Hastings himself has or his secretary has, which is like you know a principal and his like secretary has. This great These coordinates, in- yeah. To uh, I, thought, yeah, this I don't know, but I think it's maybe they've been studying the talk- stars in their astronomy class with their kids. And they just <laughs> like asteroid, Bob asteroid coming. Didn't in. we think that maybe um, Hastings' secretary, because her name is Betty, it might be Betty Briggs? Well, yes, yeah, she has not appeared yet, right? So she does. She's in the in the show, and she has an integral part, which is what I think Lynch told everybody who comes coming back. They all have integral roles, right? She, yeah, that's a, that's a great speculation that that would be her. That, but it almost seems like too much now. Like our conspiracy theory sounds good, but Lynch is Lynch really going to take the time to explain all that and to tie the pieces together in that way? I'm, I'm, I'm becoming less certain that uh, you know he's 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 going to tie up all these loose ends somehow. I mean, like you said, maybe he will just drop. You know, maybe New York was New York, and that's it. You know, maybe these these threads. Obviously, I don't think Buckhorn can do that. There's got to be a major Briggs reveal, and I think that having his wife a part of that has to happen, right? So yeah. it makes sense. Her name's Betty. Hey, let's put her in there. So I think that would be great. The one thing we talked about is like you know everyone complains about the scatter shootness of the series so far, with it being all over the place, and you know we talked about the idea that what if they just put all the stuff that happens in Buckhorn in Twin Peaks. And wouldn't that solve everyone's like dilemma in terms of everyone feeling like you know Twin Peaks has been getting the short shrift and that it's not like nothing was happening that was you know super integral to the story? Um, I wonder. There's obviously a reason for that, and I still am curious as to why why South Dakota. What does this mean? To why? I mean, why couldn't it be in Twin Peaks? And why you know why does why does Coop like? It's, it's almost like they're having to keep Bad Coop from coming back to Twin Peaks. We don't want to start with him. You know what I'm saying? They're right. They are being a part of that already. He's got to arrive in Twin Peaks, and I think that might be the main reason why they're setting it in a different location because we still right. not understood why, why why South Dakota at all. Yeah, when you said that, I thought that was a great idea. And uh, why? I would have not? been my note in the writers' room. He would have gone next. <laughs> Good idea, kid. Next. That was. I think. Yeah. Everything that you said, I thought. I, I really thought it was. It was a great idea. The only snag is like what you said is. Then that would put Mr. C in Twin Peaks, and I don't think they want to put either Cooper, Dougie, Mr. C in Twin Peaks that early in in, in the series because it's it is like this odyssey. You know whether it's Mr. Well, C. they could have put all the South Dakota stuff in Las Vegas as well. That's you know true. What I mean? Like, yeah. it's just why you know. <laughs> it's right. like, and you know, I have a feeling and a strange feeling that we may never see Buenos Aires again. That that was it, which makes no sense right. at fucking all. But I have a feeling that we're not going to be getting scenes in Buenos Aires where Philip Jeffries is going around. Do I have? I just have a feeling that like maybe some of these things are just going to drop off. I completely agree. I mean, on Twin Peaks at the end. Just think about like right now, like what we're talking about. We're talking about you know these threads in the first six episodes or whatever, and you know we're hoping that you know they lead to you know some conclusions or whatever. But um, knowing Lynch, I think there's going to be you know several of these threads 
that we're never going to get any concrete answers for, and we're going to be talking about them like 25 years later and trying to analyze them. Whatever. I think we like get, Red's magic tricks. I have a feeling we'll never know anything about that. that oh yeah, just, no, that's that, it. Yeah, of course. I, In episode six, yeah. You can't explain it. You know, magic. I mean, any good magician will tell you that. Never, never, you know, tell your trick or whatever. So no, I, I agree. Something like that. But even the what I think, and this is something I'd like to ask you about, or maybe talk a little bit about, is um, a first question. Do you think we're going to go back to New York and ever see the glass box again? Well, we talked about this last time. Yes, I do. I think we are. I think uh, I I think that. I'm not certain, obviously, because I think he could do anything. I think we could, you know, he could introduce four more completely different inter- international locations next episode. You know, so I have no right. idea. But I think that that glass box is integral. But as we continue to go through episodes where Dougie is just staggering around like Chauncey Gardner, getting into wacky <laughs> antics with coffee, talking to statues and so forth, playing with the clapper. I'm wondering, I'm being, becoming more dubious as to whether that's going to actually occur. But I like very much that milieu or that, that New York setting. And, and it would be a shame, I feel, if we don't get to actually meet the, the mysterious billionaire. But who the fuck knows? You know, they're not, they haven't even investigated it. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's, there could be a lot of different things that go on, but it doesn't feel like the FBI, you know, when they just kind of heard about it. And they, 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 I don't predict there's going to be an episode where Gordon Cole or Coop or, some, or Albert or someone in the FBI – uh, you know, goes to visit that New York, you know, billionaire, I don't think, right? It's right. It's maybe a side story where he's... But then again, do they have time for it? It's just so... This thing is so Dougie-focused. <laughs> it's become <laughs> Dougie-focused. We've seen six episodes, and we... I don't know if we've counted up how... But it's got to be, like, it's almost two episodes, or maybe two and a half episodes? Or well, three Dougie and a half was episodes? introduced how many halfway episodes through we got? episode three, so Yeah, so had... let's, just, let's just cut everyone out, and how much screen time has Dougie gotten? He's, he's gotten, you know... Uh, over at least episode, an hour, right? at least yeah. an hour, right? I would say so, maybe an hour and a half. So I feel like maybe we, an hour and a half. The yeah. fully, him and Bad Coop are the two biggest characters, and uh, you know maybe maybe uh, he loves uh, Ducky, and we're gonna get him for a little bit more. But I'd sure like to see some of these other you know uh, leads followed on the case instead of sticking with this one. Um, well, the uh, the one thing was interesting is um, um, well, not one thing, but so many things. But um, when Mr. C is talking to presumably Philip Jeffries. Uh, one of the first things Jeffries says, I believe, is, um, I missed you in New York. And, uh, yeah. like, you're in Buckhorn now or whatever. I and then he says, um, like, you're still nowhere, right? But the fact that Jeffries says, I missed you in New York, now that could mean any number of things or whatever, but it, that has to be tied to the glass box i would assume right well he's making us yeah they're making us think that so yeah so that was what we talked about i think in the first podcast was or it may have been cut off with our technical issues but um the, you know that maybe philip jeffries was had uh you know hired or issued that box monster to come kill coop because coop had just appeared in that in that box and he could have been set up to be ambushed uh by jeffries um and that was an, uh, you know, an allusion to possibly that, that comment that he made. But obviously we're not sure. Right. No, I just think that's, that's something – obviously I think that's tied to the glass box somehow. But um, uh, if, if Jeffries and Mr. C are in cahoots somehow, um, it would make sense maybe to get rid of Cooper and they had him trapped in that glass box um, briefly before he you know, 
like diminished went to we size and fell through like space and time again and wound up in like you know the purple room or whatever but um, we also find out um, from Daria I believe before he kills her that with her conversation with Ray that Cooper somehow tape recorded um, that in real time in real time right <laughs> exactly that Jeffries called Ray and said uh, hey you guys have to kill Cooper or kill Mr. C you know so um, I, I, I mean I don't understand that I mean it, it seemed like you know Mr. C was very intent on trying to find out like who tried to you know p- who put the hit on me and you know why did they want to kill me and then how much money were they paying you but the indication was, at least from Ray and or Daria, was, or from Ray probably, it was that it was Jeffries. But then he has this, you know, conversation with Jeffries. He doesn't bring it up to Jeffries, you know, like, oh, you're in, in Buckhorn. Well, yeah, I'm in Buckhorn. You're, you want me dead? He doesn't say that. He's, you know, carrying on some kind of other conversation. So there, there's a lot going on there with Jeffries, uh, Cooper, and I think Garland Briggs is so the triangulation of fire. Uh, is that third piece? There's something with coordinates, um, whether it's related to other portals, um, related to some actually, you know, what I thought was um, uh, a little like theory that I had is that the indication with geographical coordinates is that, you know, obviously it's like a, some kind of location and you would think it would be related to like, you know, another, you know, entryway, like a Hellgate portal, what have you. But my thinking was is that possibly um, what. We, we know Mr. C is, you know, Bob is in Mr. C. And the one thing, the one real kind of thing that we know about Bob is that he wanted to possess Laura Palmer. He didn't want to kill her. He wanted to possess Laura Palmer. And we know that Lynch, like we said you know, earlier, loves Laura Palmer or whatever, is that what if those coordinates somehow, if, if Laura Palmer somehow was able to split or is alive, and she even said it in the Black Lodge, you know, I am dead, yet I live. So if she, if she is somewhere in this plane of existence that Mr. C wants to find her, and I think Laura represents, we talked, you talked a little bit about this, that maybe there's going to be the darker side of Laura, the demon Laura, whatever, but I mean, she took off her face and we saw this like beaming white light, which to me indicates like radiates like goodness or whatever. And I think that that makes sense with like Lynch wanting to kind of either validate Laura or bring her back into the story or, or give her some kind of like proper like ending or whatever, um, that maybe those coordinates are related to finding Laura because maybe Laura is the only one who can stop Mr. C slash Bob from doing whatever he is trying to do. Yeah, it's interesting, like all these the heavily plotted theories, like it's almost like who is going to be the character that's going to <laughs> c- communicate this to us? Who's going to have the plan? Like we're going to say we're going to get some Mr. C like, I've got a plan for that one. Like Laura, she's coming back for me. And I'm going to get her. Like is that, is that all we're going to know at some point? Then we're going to just see her pop up? Well, did we ever think at any point? That's what I mean. Is like, my point is like, is Philip J- – I keep waiting for a mastermind, some sort of Philip Jeffries character or the billionaire or someone to come along and have, have some sort of grand scheme that's communicated in terms of the, the box monster and you know what these you know clues are that they're giving us. But um, I'm just – I'm not sure if we're ever going to get it. I think uh, it's almost like these little – it's almost like – think of it this way. Like he's, he's, he plays with like these, these different setups and ideas – and he come, they come to him through space, and he creates these mystical, you know, settings. But 
it doesn't necessarily mean they have to be heavily plot heavy. You know, they could just be set pieces for that image and that moment, that scene. You know what I mean? Right. Like very right. easily, the whole entire New York thing, that could be it. You know, and that that would be his only that that's that's it. And, and in a way, it's frustrating, but in a way, it's also invigorating because you know, the less you develop uh, some of these plot lines, the more opportunity he has to create new ones. So there's that, but there's also you know, like we talked about last podcast, I think that we both are in agreement that it, it feels like a little scattered and not cohesive, and it's almost like. If they were setting for me, I say, okay, if, if this guy was David Lynch and he was setting this series up to play for the next five years, then this is perfect because you can set up all kinds of stuff. You could drop seeds and have them come up two seasons later. Right. But he did, he wrote this for one bump, one 18 minute charge through it, leave all your bullets, uh, you know, out and uh, go for it. And, and so that's the interesting thing is that he's almost, it feels like he's setting something up for an even larger canvas that could continue to go um, when. We've all, all by all accounts, this would be it, you know. So I sit here frustrated sometimes, wondering why the hell are we stop waiting here and watching Dougie for thirty? You know, when we have so much to cover, and <laughs> right. I'm looking at the clock, and uh, you know, I, you know, which is a terrible way to live. I don't want to watch TV that way. So I would love the Showtime now would renew it for the next two seasons, so I can sit back and relax and just take in all the Douginess. But then again, if that were to happen. Uh, good thing, you know, it might it might give them too much leeway. So maybe they could just hire him from season to season. Because if, if you give him like a blank check and four seasons to do whatever he wants, good God, it'll be a two page script every season. <laughs> right, <laughs> just a right. lot of Lynchian, like you know, improvisation, interesting stuff. Which well, I think what we're getting here is, you know, um, we're getting the eighteen hour version of, of Fire Walk with Me. You know, Fire Walk with Me. You know, was the you know the Twin Peaks movie right after the show you know ended, and what we got pri- primarily was the last seven days of, of Laura Palmer. But we got that prologue, which introduced the Ring, which introduced Desmond and Stanley, which introduced David Bowie, and introduced the Blue Rose cases or the Blue Rose case or what have you, and and, and Annie and Laura's bed. We got all these little little like mysteries that weren't solved in this two hour and fifteen minute you know narrative that people have been talking about you know for you know twenty five plus years or whatever or you know twenty five years since Fire Walk with Me actually premiered um, and I think we're, we're this is we're getting the you know the super the amped up version of that because it's like an eighteen hour version we're getting even more like mysteries and not all of them are going to be solved and the people who actually love it are going to be discussing it and scrutinizing it like you know for you know forever just like all of Lynch's movies i mean you know Eraserhead Mulholland Drive Lost Highway the three like really you know more surreal Lynch movies that don't have really any kind of you know definite like you know narrative um, like you know closed like you know ending where everything is like wrapped up it is in its own way but um, those three movies especially there's so much you know fat left on the bone to kind of like you know chew over discuss um, and that's what people are doing I think that's what we're getting in this version and that's why the the, the people the fans who who love Twin Peaks the show you know um, and not necessarily like you know the more you know stranger David Lynch films I think are having a lot of trouble with this this new series because with they they're more of the the mainstream it's not to diminish their intellect or what have you but they liked the soap opera aspects of it they like that you know that kind of cohesive narrative or whatever 
and you know that was that was done. Now that we're getting something else here, um, and uh, I think a lot of people are are frustrated, and I think it's playing more to like the David Lynch fans as opposed to the, the art house Beats audience. Fans. Yeah, I mean because. David Lynch never went mainstream at, at ever any point in his entire career as an artist. He never went mainstream. You could make, you know, a little bit of an argument that you know he kind of sold out for like Dune or whatever. Dune. Yeah, that's the one. Actually, I was thinking like every David Lynch movie I've seen has all been in an art house except for Dune when I was yeah. like ten or whatever, and I saw it in the you know. Mainstream but watch movie Dune. Films. I mean, but there's a lot. I was of weird completely shit in empty. There. Me and my yeah. brother and no one else was in the theater. I can tell you that. Didn't they give you a little, uh, like, little encyclopedia or dictionary of like, uh, like all the terms of the terms before the atreides and yeah, yeah, all the stuff. I just remember being freaked out by uh, the fat bloated guy with all the boils and so forth. That Baron Harkonnen, yeah. But um, just to finish my point briefly is that um, the main David Lynch never went mainstream. We I, I maybe a little bit of an argument for Doom, but I, I still don't think that. I think the mainstream came to David Lynch in Twin Peaks. Obviously, you know, with I mean, the, I mean, like over thirty million people watched the pilot. I mean, that was like I think the highest rated, you know, TV. What event led of that into year. that? That's amazing to me. What was the lead-in show before uh, Twin Peaks? Uh, like, how did that's... you get thirty million on cold? Like, how would anyone? I did. You and I didn't watch it. We were around. We did not watch the pilot. Like, how did thirty no. million Americans know to watch that pilot? Well, they only a they only had three channels to choose from. You know, so ABC, NBC. There wasn't Fox yet, and CBS, and from like my memory and then reading up on you know the the events that led to the premieres that there was like great kind of like critical or a couple of pieces i think the new yorker they wrote about this you know wrote about the show before it premiered and then abc had these great little ads like you know um you know that would just tease like you know like you know like what was what was what were, what are james and and donna doing in the woods you know with like in the flashlight or something like that in the woods and like and obviously who killed laura palmer it it just it was a perfect storm i think there was you know the the era of dynasty and knots landing and there wasn't really anything kind of unique and it it aired on easter sunday and it had a great advertising campaign it had some good very good reviews and people like watched but then when the next episode premiered i think like 4 days later like on that thursday I think it went from 34 million to like 21. So like 13 million people like, all right, you know, and the pilot is pretty straightforward. Very tame. Very tame compared to, you know. There's nothing weird. There's no weird factor. In yeah, so it's still lost like 13 million people, you know, right off the bat or whatever. But um, um, my point is that, you know, um, with the fans of the show or whatever, is that this, uh, you know, um, it's just a different beast. And if I could say to anyone out there, people who, you know, or maybe – not as into it or really disappointed or upset, watch it again. Like, rewatch it. Give it another chance. Oh, I yeah. Swear. You've got to rewatch these shows. These, you these have are to. Like, yeah. You can't digest it at all. And I honestly, I have only liked half of them upon first viewing. And <laughs> the other three, I was like, <laughs> what in the fuck did I just see? And right. had to go back and really reevaluate, you know, who I am. <laughs> who I want to be. Who am I? <laughs> who, who am I? I looked in the mirror looked and did the, the mirror, old cliche. This one's yeah. like, who am I? Well, I want, but, you know, I, hey, well, I think the point is, is that like this in, in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, I don't think people are going to even be looking at watching the show again in parts. I think they're going to be streaming this at like the MoMA, then the Louvre, and every other whatever Museum of Modern Art in one giant 18-hour loop. 
and people will just can watch it. It'll be that's how you're gonna watch it because it's like that's how the show is. It's I don't like I love the musical bands at the end, but I really or at least I want to watch them in maybe three hour chunks or four hour something that gives me more cohesion. Um, and I think eventually that we'll have an opportunity to see it in that format and it will really uh, be unshackled, I think. Uh, well, doesn't it seem like the, uh, just from the first six episodes that one and two, like, you know, watching those like together, that's like, you know, that's yeah, like that's pretty one. solid. And then three and four and then five and six, like, you know, yeah, that was my whole hour- theory was that why didn't he just, I would love for him to have used this 18 hours and found the right beats to end yeah. episodes. Um, so that one episode could be two hours long, one could be 48 minutes long, one could be an hour and 60 you know, minutes. You know, they can all be different in terms of length, but as long as you hit a note that felt like an ending, I would, I would be very happy with that. Um, instead, we get like episode six, some of these endings where like they just ended in the police station, and it was just a flat ending. And there's been a couple of them um, because, just because they had to cut at some point. Well, go ahead and mention, this is something that you told me last night, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Tell me what you thought should have uh, the scene that should have ended episode six. Oh well, this did, did occur to me after we spoke uh, or we we shot our podcast. But yeah, if they just ended the episode with Diane, and just that would have wowed everybody. Everybody would have clapped, should have been started clapping, and it would have also not given us the cinematic blue balls of having to see it in you know ten minutes in and then not see any other scene for the rest of the <laughs> right, show right. and perhaps not see her again at all and, except for another scene. But I really think that would have been a fantastic ending. Everybody would have freaked out, and it felt like that that was the obvious the the obvious choice that he chose not to make because I do feel like he's. He's holding out on us. He's not giving us what we want. He's such a master. He doesn't want to repeat uh, what he does. He knows that's what that works if he wants to tickle our fancy. And but he didn't do it. Although I would have loved to even like maybe begun the episode with Hawk finding the nickel and ended it with Diane or something so that the middle. It, I would have forgiven everything in the middle if we had just had you know what is that Charlie Kaufman? Uh, or I guess it was Robert McKee, but Wow in the third act and you oh probably, adaptation yeah, yeah from adaptation like, yeah that's what I was hoping for. No, I agree, and that's the thing that with any episode, but especially this one, I think you could have taken all of the scenes and, and say they're like little puzzle pieces, you could have just moved them around in any way without really disrupting the narrative. And the point that you made about you know ending the... the I feel like several of these episodes of our parts have been like that, where right. you could have moved around uh, right. several scenes very right. easily. And I think just in this era, the fact that you're not able to binge it, which I think is a good thing, um, even though, you know, I don't. I, I, well, you don't think it's a good thing to. <laughs> <laughs> I do in theory, but it's torturous. And I d- I'm not enjoying having to wait, especially when you're hitting like last week. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed waiting because I thought that episode five's ending was beautiful. And right. I was moved like I thought that was fantastic. And so people were complaining about it. I thought it was great this week. Not so great, you know. So it's all about taste. So uh, well, you know you what? Know. For me, I don't I don't watch as much television. In fact, I don't really watch any television, really any series, um, and I haven't for like a long time. And and really, honestly, like I have not watched a show like on a week to week basis, um, like since like Twin Peaks. And when it and we didn't come to Twin Peaks, we knew Twin Peaks was airing. But we were we were in high school and we were both uh, involved with the uh, um, our um, our lady friends um, and our hormones at the time that we really couldn't we, def- take we, them. we, we saw moments we couldn't of be the there per- and watch them yeah we, we are going them. to do a podcast on you know uh, Murphy and Tom's like you know initiation or origin, to story, or or origin, origin story or origin story 
But what we did was we did wind up getting all the tapes, except for maybe I think the fourth episode. The fourth four, episode. Yeah, we, that was the mystery tape. We couldn't we missed see that. that. We did not see that episode for a long time. We, yeah, it we, took a while. And, to which see is that. actually uh, was actually fine because that was the worst episode of the entire first. Season, I agree. So I totally agree. It's a great episode, but it's the worst of the, the first. The funeral season. scene. Yeah, episode. But um, so. For me and for you, both of us um, were um, watched the second season premiere like live. You know that's and then in subsequent weeks we watched every episode. Well, not necessarily live, like because it was on Saturdays for a long time, and we were in high school. We were seniors then, and uh, what we would do is if we were going out that night, we would we would set our VCRs, tape it, and then when we came back, we would watch the show that night. But the, what I'm getting at is that my memory of like having to wait, you know, every week. Um, to watch the show, it was a thrill every time, and not knowing what was was going to happen, it was it was a great feeling because I loved the show, even though the second season really kind of devolved into a bunch of like just just crap, basically. Um, I still like loved it, and still you know like waited. Something's going to come. Something's going to and you know there were nuggets at the end. There were nuggets, but when okay, so now when we have this new iteration. Um, they dropped the first four, and I was actually in L.A. at Murphy's house and uh, flew out there specifically to watch <laughs> the premiere because, you know, it's been, it's Twin Peaks is very, you know, important to us or whatever, and we wanted to be together when we watched we it. We also so wanted we had, to be a mile away from David Lynch's house just in case we wanted to walk over We wanted there. to go what we were, we were going to hold up signs that said Bob 316. Bob 316, little yeah. little coffee, and, but we yeah. didn't do it. Yeah, but then we, we realized that because I think one time we drove by David Lynch's house and uh, or maybe I saw a photo. I can't remember. He has security cameras outside of his house, which makes sense because like he Drive. used it or, uh, in Lost Highway. Lost Highway that people know that house and that's Lynch's house. Tom, I hate to lives. tell you, but I've probably been on the security cameras. <laughs> I don't want to mention it. Due to the um, but OK, so to wrap up my little thing, my, my, my thought here is that um, so we watched those first four. We binged those first four and we we watched them and rewatched them whatever but i'm um, coming back home like afterwards else. like everyone else um, when part five came on i was by myself set up and it took me right back to like 1990 again and it was like you know i was i was so excited that just leading up to it and i'm like you know an old man in my 40s now or whatever but it evoked that you know that feeling and i was into it i didn't know because they've kept the story under wraps and um, I, I love that. So I don't. I don't want to binge it. Like a part of me does, just to know how it ends. But the fact that it's so layered, there's so many pieces and mysteries and these moments that I'm glad that we have a week to kind of decompress and kind of talk about it. Because when the next episode airs, there's inevitably something new, and we'll have it forever. So I, I do like it. I, I do like it for the fact that it, we're not able to binge it. Yeah, I mean, it's good for our health. I think we need to digest it slowly <laughs> and uh, be able to, you know, talk about it. And it does. I mean, everyone is a is a movable feast. These wonderful episodes that have so much to talk about and to interpret. Um, it does. Uh, it does. It's painful at times, but I do agree that this is the way to do it. Um, but I can tell you that I will be happy once that they're all available and I can somehow find a way to just binge watch the hell out of them and then choose what I want to stop and say, okay, let me just think about that for a minute because I think that might be interesting as well, another exercise. No, I agree. I think at one point I will actually set aside like one day and then watch all 18 hours 
in like you know succession i'll, I'll have that moment i i bet you some it'll point, be interesting for us as well to think like will we watch these episodes as much and cherish them as much if they say okay we're renewed for those season for the two seasons or are we gonna just like be greedy and just go okay give me more more new just keep eating and eating and eating and just stuffing ourselves with lynch instead of going back yeah and like, you know watching for example like i've watched season two episode one probably 150 times in my life <laughs> You know what I mean? Like so, it's our favorite obsessed? episode. Yeah, well, just like the first is, yeah. four episodes, we had two weeks, and I watched those probably five, six, seven times. Right. And uh, these new ones, not as much, you know, because they're coming at us fast and furious. Well, yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah, because um, we had two weeks to watch the first four episodes, and I, like you, I watched them like five, six times, and I've seen like part five, I think three times, and I think part six, I've watched two times. So you know, I'll probably watch it at least again. Um, but I, I think if it, but also a thing too is that you and I tend to kind of lean a little bit more towards the more kind of like you know bizarre surreal aspects of Lynch, like you know that episode three. I think I've watched episode three more than any of the other episodes because I yeah, love that my favorite that yeah. visual palette, um, and and so and the four and or five and six have been more kind of straightforward, straightforward like you know narratively um, with the story, not as many. Of these moments where we're, you know, in the Black Lodge or, you know, seeing Mr. Well, C. The, and also moments that, you know, beg for interpretation and Correct. rumination Correct. and, you know, right. analysis. You know, watching, uh, you know, what's his name, the red-headed wonder with uh, Amanda Seyfried. You know, there's not much else to know about that guy. You can just watch that episode or watch that scene a few times. You get it. You get the picture. That's it. There's nothing yeah, that guy, it. he's like, uh, Stephen, is that his name? He's... Uh, Stephen, yeah. And he... You know, we didn't talk about this, but you and I, like, we were big, like, you know, Bobby and Snake fans. We, we liked Bobby and Snake a lot in the original yes. series. And Snake kind of disappeared for a long time. We loved when Snake came back. Even when he was <laughs> he was having sex with Nadine, there's that great bit at the Great Northern <laughs> post-coital or whatever. And she's sucking on the lollipop. And, you know, it's the, you know I guess the, the concierge asked, how's your stay? And he was like, like, fantastic or marvelous. Or he had this great look. But that Snake is... Now a productive member of society, he's is, is he working at a car dealership like Jerry car Lingard and in, in episode five, Fargo, yeah. whatever, and mm-hmm. and he you know he's got his shit together and uh, he interviews you know you know like another young punk redheaded kid like him like you know twenty five years earlier and kind of reads him the riot act or whatever. I thought that was very interesting. I, I like that scene a lot. Um, I hope we get more Snake. What did you did you have any thoughts about that scene? Oh yeah, no, I mean it's great to see Snake again. I don't know if we're ever going to see him again, but that's all I needed from him. And uh, I love that he, being the the irresponsible idiot uh, high school jock moron that was a criminal, uh, is bawling out this new young version of himself. And they're both a redheaded, right? So they red on red right. action. Uh, so you know, I don't know if Bobby uh, still hangs out with Snake and they grab beers after work. Uh, you know, but I'm not sure I want to see that. I'm not sure I need to see that at all. I would, you know? I would like that. Wouldn't you like to yeah. see them, like you know, sucking down some brews at the Roadhouse and then? I'd like to see them have a Mister Monkey take that Mister Monkey Wrench uh, moment, maybe with the new gang. So maybe you yes. get to see a, a Snake and Bobby versus Red and Little Dicky Horn and, and Little Dicky Horn. Yeah, yeah. That's you right. throw in, yeah, throw in, throw in the Steven guy, the Red Wonder, and we got a, we got a melee. We got a melee at the yeah at the Roadhouse. At the Roadhouse, yeah, I mean, that's great, yeah. So, um, well, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. Do you have any final thoughts? Before we um, no, not off the top of my head. Um, no, I think um, no, I do not. But thank you nothing, for asking. Yes. Nothing to yes. say here. One thing I did notice was that on Twitter today, Bash and Mix said that on, on set that Lynch said, like everything you think you're doing, like you could be doing something else. Like, don't be so sure about that, buddy. 
which makes me think that there is maybe some alternative, like especially when the Janie E scene, that there's something screwy going on. There's some false worlds happening before us that are, we're being led to believe are real and the people that we think they are maybe aren't that at all. So stay tuned. No, I agree. Yes, we're, we're going to get into um, po possible manufactured realities and what have you and uh, uh, alternative timeline theories and Hellgates and maybe some Jack Parsons slash L. Ron Hubbard theories. Yes, all from the secret history of Twin Peaks. We hope that comes uh, in future episodes of Lynch and Twin Peaks and also in future episodes of our podcast. Thanks for tuning in and see you all next time. Thank you.